Good evening. It is great to see you tonight. If you have your Bibles, you turn to the book of Proverbs. That's where we'll be. I don't know how long we'll be in Proverbs. I don't. There are 31 chapters. Will we make it to the end? Not likely. Not likely. In fact, we almost didn't make it tonight, but uh, had a change of heart. And so here we are. Proverbs chapter 1. We will be here for a little bit, though, because we'll continue to take some lessons learned from this great, great book of wisdom. Last week we talked about, in lesson 1, being from verses 8 down to verse number 19, and that is, mind the company you keep. And generally speaking, when we talk about these things, we focus on our young people, and, and that's not bad at all. Young people, we want you to mind the company you keep, and we want to um, support and endorse the very things that your parents are telling you at home. It's biblically based. They're trying to live right in front of you. They're trying to model the Lord. Nobody's perfect, but they're doing the best they can. As a result of that, teaching you His Word, guiding you, and one of those things is the company we keep is very important. And typically, that's kind of how we kind of go through Proverbs. I, I see no reason to change that now, but it's certainly something to be learned for all of us because influence continues to happen and people continue to try to tug on us and get us involved in things that are not good for us, and that doesn't stop into adulthood. And so lesson one was mind the company you keep. Lesson two, we pick up there from verse 20 down to the end of the chapter. And what we find in this section is the son didn't listen. What happens if I don't listen? What happened when the son didn't listen to the father's instruction in verses 8 down to verse number 19? That's this section. And that lesson then is this. Our choices have consequences. God wants us to understand that. Our choices have consequences. And so we'll look at some things and we'll go through verses 20 down to verse 33 and then we'll make some, some lessons, draw some lessons for us to learn. Uh, beginning in verse number 20, one of the first things you'll find is wisdom is personified. And, and that's a figure of speech where inanimate objects are, are given life as if they could speak. They're given uh, human characteristics and traits. And so wisdom speaks, and wisdom is going to do that. It's not the last time in the book. Over in chapter 8, you'll find wisdom again. On that occasion, she'll be setting her table and inviting us to sup with her. It's not the only time it occurs in Scripture. Sin is personified. When we get to Romans chapter 7, eventually, when we get there, we will see that sin is given life and animation, personified. What happens when the father's pleas are rejected? The son goes anyway. He joins the sinners. After all, that was the invitation. He does cast his lot in with them, and they are all now one. The father pleads for his son, don't go with them. And then wisdom is going to tell us the consequences of that choice. Every generation does the same thing. Every generation tries to convince the next generation to avoid making the mistakes the previous generation made. And so, parents of every generation tell their children, don't do this, don't do that. If you could imagine a one-way street, a one-way road, just going on from earth to eternity, just one road, and the reality is everybody has to travel that road. Everybody has to go the same way. Everybody has to experience this world. And what parents do and what every generation does is that they are further down the road. And when they have children, they realize, my children are going to travel this same road. 
And just like their parents did them, they know what's coming. And so they run back to their children. And they say in large part to their children, do this, don't do that. Engage in this, avoid that. Seek out these kinds of people, avoid these kinds of people. They're going to go that way. And then the parents, if they're godly, say something like, above all, be faithful to God. That's exactly what you're reading in the book of Proverbs. My son, listen to me. Why? I've been down this road. I've seen it. I know what you're going to encounter. I know what you're going to experience. I know what's coming. And every generation who hears that is faced with a dilemma. Do I listen to my parents? Do I listen to my teachers? Do I listen or th are they trying to keep me from having fun? They've already had it. And now they don't want me to have it? Ask any person who is a parent what their parents said to them and what they said back. And now they're in that very position doing the very same thing. And ask them what they said, and it may have been something like, but you don't understand. It may have been something like the very things those parents are now hearing being said by their children. Here's what we want to do. Will you be the one? Would you be the one that listens to instruction? Would you be the one that doesn't have to have the experience? Would you be the one that fears the Lord and listens to instruction? What happens if I don't? Let's pick up in verse 20. We find her voice. In fact, the Bible says wisdom shouts. It's not low. It's, it's not. You ever seen parents and it looks like their hair is on fire all the time? <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with you, mom? What's wrong with you, dad? It's not that big a deal. And the parents are just shouting. No, you can't be around him. No, you can't do that. No, you got to. But what's wrong? It shout. Why does it shout? It's urgent. The matter is important. The matter is significant. And I love you so much that I will look and sound like a crazy person. And my hair can seem like it's on fire because wisdom shouts in the street. And it just says it over and over again. Notice all the expressions. She lifts up her voice. She cries out. She utters her sayings. She this is a, someone who wants to be heard. This is an important message, and such is the nature of everything the Father said from verses 8 to 19. Go back and read it again. It's important. In fact, look at verse 19 and note what happens. So are the ways of everyone who gains violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. They are going to ambush, end of verse 18, sorry, ambush their own lives. Those people further down the road know what's coming. And they run back with hair on fire saying, please don't ambush your own life. Please don't destroy yourself. Listen to me. Her voice, she shouts. Number two, 
her actions. They're recorded in verses 23, 24, 25. She asks a question, how long, old naive ones, simple ones, will you love simplicity or being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffings and fools hate knowledge. You know, if you'd like some homework, just go through this book and look at the word fools. See what's associated with it. This is one of those things. What do fools do? They hate knowledge. Another passage to say they make a mockery of sin. It's sport to them. It's fun to them. It's mockery to them. They hate knowledge and instruction. She cries. She asks. Verse 23, she pleads, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. I'm available. I want to share. I want to give it to you. 23, 24, 25. She is willing to give counsel. I'm here for you. I know and you can have it. Wisdom will be likened to precious gold and silver. It is in so valuable what someone knows to help you avoid trouble in life. But she's rejected. She is rejected in verses 26, 20, uh, 28. Uh, she calls, but verse 26 says, because of this rejection, verse 24, 25, I called, you refuse. Verse 24, called, you neglected all my counsel. End of 25, you did not want my reproof. And so, unfortunately, people don't realize that wisdom has a response to that. And so, it's pictured here as laughter. And so, in verse number 28, she says, I'll laugh, I will not answer. And the actions of the foolish are highlighted over and over again. She says of them, they love being simple-minded. They delight in their scoffing. They hate knowledge, refuse, they pay no attention, and it just goes on and on. They did not choose to fear God. They would not accept the counsel. They spurned the reproof. And so the end of the chapter talks about consequences. And the consequences of those decisions are calamity and dread and dread and whirlwinds and distress and all of these things are the result of the rejection of wisdom. What are some lessons then we can learn? We, we should learn this from the very beginning and we must teach it to our children as early as they are able to comprehend it. Number one, we must all make choices. We can't do everything for our children. And so if that's the way you've started your parenting, please stop. You can't do everything for them. They're going to have to make some choices and we need to let them have the freedom to do that while they're safe at home. We instruct, we model, we teach, and then we allow them to make those choices. If necessary, we come back and we instruct and we teach and we correct. And as we do that, the process continues That's parenting. But we're gonna have to make choices. Number two, and they have to learn this, our choices have consequences. It's not the case that we can do something and it doesn't matter. Every rock thrown into a steel body of water produces ripples. There is the splash, and then there are the ripples that come off of that. Consider the splash of the rock the choice, and the ripples the consequence. 
They are connected in every way. If there's a rock thrown, yes, there's a splash and the consequences flow out of it. We cannot avoid the consequences of our choices. Thirdly, we can't expect good consequences when bad choices are made. Far too often, Paul says it in Galatians 6, people want to sow to the flesh and reap to the Spirit. It cannot happen. God has given us two things. Number one, in this order, God has given us the world. God created the world, Genesis chapter 1. And when God created the world, he put things in place to work a particular way. The world is governed by law, governed by divine law. And so it continues. God has never needed to update the sun. God has never needed to tweak anything in his creation. It's been working the way it works since he made it. And it will continue to work, gravity and all the like. God did that, and it works. Part of that creation is the law of sowing and reaping. It's in the material creation, Genesis 1:11. And the second thing God has given us is his word. He's given us his world. He's given us his word, both governed by law, one spiritual, one physical, but they operate much the same way, by divine law, which is why so often in the physical world, it's so easy to transfer right to the spiritual world. Take a lesson here and just slide it over to the spiritual. Really doesn't matter what the lesson is. If it's applicable in the physical world, this very one of which we speak, Genesis 1.11 is not a spiritual law. That's a physical law. You reap, everything produces after its own kind. The seed is within itself. That's physical. We plant green beans, we get green beans. We plant oranges, we get oranges. That's the way it works. God did that. And that transfers to the spiritual. You sow to the flesh, you reap to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Spiritually, it works the same way. In fact, Paul would say in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, be not deceived about this process. God is not mocked. The way he has designed the world will work, and it will perpetually work, and it will work that way until he comes. One of those ways is this very thing. My son, verse 8, down to verse 19, don't go with them. Don't go with them. Don't cast in your lot. If they come, do not go. What will happen if you do? He went. There'll be consequences. You can no more stop those consequences than you can throw the rock in the water and stop the ripples. He has sown, and he will reap. And God won't stop this law from working. Please don't confuse this law with the ability to be forgiven. One can be forgiven, but it won't stop this law. The law of sowing and reaping is consequences are attached to our choices. We will reap. In fact, go back up to 16, 17, 18, and 19, and look what has happened. Verse number 15, he says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil. They hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. That's what he's done. There will be consequences. The pleasure, number six, is temporal, but the pain lasts much longer. In fact, it was the Hebrews writer who recorded Moses' faith. And among the things he says is, Moses refused to endure the pleasures of sin 
for a season. Given the wisdom of the former generation, shouldn't everybody just accept what they say? After all, this is a person who loves me. This is a person who knows. This is a person who cares. Surely what they're telling me is true. Okay, every generation then should accept what the previous generation says and avoid. No, you know, why is that a struggle? Because sin is pleasurable. You know, if it weren't pleasurable, we wouldn't do it. We don't typically go around hurting ourselves on purpose. That's, that's not typically what we do. We do the things we do in part because they give pleasure. And the Bible does not skimp on this. The Bible does not ask you to believe that sin doesn't have pleasure. It doesn't ask you to believe that. What it tells us is it's temporal. It's seasonal. It will not last. It will not give you what you're seeking. It will not provide you what you actually want. And in the end, it will hurt you. Now that the Bible does tell us. The pleasure of sin is temporal. The pain lasts much longer. Part of the reason those parents are saying what they're saying is because if they didn't listen to their parents, they now know that by experience. Sometimes it hurts so bad that even after people come to Jesus, the only one who can forgive them and clear their conscience and wipe their slate clean, even after they come to him, they struggle with the pain that continues. Why is this happening to him? Look at verse 24 again, and notice what wisdom says of this young man. In fact, in fairness, not just him, those sinners that invited him, and verse number 19 says, 18 and 19 says, all those, everyone. And so, in more broadly, listen to what wisdom says to those who are in this state. Note verse 24, because I called. What did they respond? She says, and you refused. That's intentional. You didn't ignore it. You didn't pretend. You didn't pre No, you refused. But it's not the only thing she says. She says, I stretched out my hand, and no one paid attention. She goes further in verse 25, and she says, you neglected all of my counsel. You did not want my reproof. Such an attitude and action towards wisdom will indeed bring suffering. In fact, the suffering is certain, and it almost sounds mean-spirited. I will accept that because when you read it, it kind of sounds, well, I don't have a better word than mean. Notice verse number 26, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. The first thing that's noteworthy is this is certain. You, you'll note the words when. 
She doesn't say, now, if something bad happens to you, I'm going to laugh. That's not what she says. She's certain about it. She says, I will laugh when, when you, what is she saying? It's coming. It's as certain as the law of sowing and reaping. When it comes, I will laugh. But listen, it's going to be devastating. Someone has said, we reap what we sow. And then they further said, we reap more than we sow. And then they said, we reap longer than we sow. And both of those things are true. You sow a little bit of something and you reap much. And you keep on reaping, such is the nature of the law. And so that works spiritually. And so she continues, it's not just when your calamity comes. You'll notice words like dread. You'll know words like storm, whirlwind. What will this produce? Distress and anguish. It sounds like, and if you read the next verse, verse 28, then you will call upon me. What will happen? But I will not answer. Then you will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. What are you saying? Listen, I'm, it's not talking about forgiveness. Can you get forgiveness for your sins for anything you do? Absolutely you can. Wisdom is not saying if you don't listen to me one time, it's over for you. That's not what she's saying. She's not saying you can never come back from where you are. That's not what she's saying. What she is saying is you're calling to try to stop the consequences. I can't answer that. You're calling to try to prevent the consequences. That can't happen. How do you know that? Just keep reading. She goes on to say, the reason you're in this, and she repeats, they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Why not? Because they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. What will happen? Verse 31. This is what you cannot avert by your calling. This is what you cannot avert by your diligence. So they shall eat the fruit of their own way. And they will be satiated with their own devices. Can't stop that. How many times have people wanted to listen right after? How many times have people said, okay, 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 I'm ready, right after? And how many parents have had to stand there and say, yeah, we you know, they might be talking through glass now. They might be talking on the phone now. There might be some gentlemen or ladies in blue and in uniform at the house now. And they may be saying, you got to go with them, but we'll work on. I just want to go home. Dad, Mom, can, I'm ready now. I, I, you will eat. We all will eat of our own. Why are those parents running back with their hair on fire? Why is wisdom screaming, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Baby, please, 
Why? Why every day is mom and dad talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, talking to you? Why are they always saying, pointing you to God, pointing you to God, pointing you to God? Why try to keep you around church people and Christians trying to be faithful? Because nobody can stop us from suffering the consequences of our choices. Wisdom ends this chapter with two options. Verse 32 and verse 33. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. just one road and parents down that road further they have that beautiful baby boy or girl and they just love them but they know what's coming and so they start instructing modeling loving and caring and let this be the generation let this be the group who will listen to instruction and make the choices that end in verse 33. They'll live securely. They'll be at ease from the dread of evil. You know, all of this goes back to God, our Father, doing this for humanity, his children instructing and instructing instructing and as we said this morning because he knows what's at the end of this road and that's judgment we're going to leave this world we're going to live somewhere eternally and this is god saying to mankind listen to me listen to me if you're not a christian tonight we beg you to become one to listen to God and his word, to take it into your heart and follow after his wisdom, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, to repent and give your life to him, to confess his wonderful name and be buried with him in baptism and let him wash away your sins. If you are his child and you've lived in a way that's not pleasing to him, tried to emphasize tonight multiple times that it's not about forgiveness. Can you get forgiveness? Absolutely. And we would beg you if you needed to come home to God because our Father will forgive. The consequences will still be felt, but don't let them keep you from Jesus. Young people, please listen to your parents. Please listen and let this be the generation when their parents instruct, they just learn and they just love the Lord and listen. Wouldn't it be great if one generation would do that? If we can help you in any way tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.